0: bars, that's Hannibal, who's that played by four different stars, that's Hannibal, and whose face is detachable, that's Hannibal, and who's everybody's favorite cannibal, that's Hannibal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, you guessed it, the Macaw Podcast Universe.
1: Hello. Yep.
0: That's why we're here? Yep. And we are talking about a series called the Hannibal Lecter series. Well, I don't know if people call it that, but the Hannibal series or whatever. And we're on the second movie, which is the... What? You're giving me eyes. What? The the second movie, which is The Silence Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. And um, this is one of the more famous movies ever made uh-huh and it is uh very
1: it's one of the scariest movies ever made
0: yes definitely and it uh came out in 1991 that next year it would win the uh academy award for or best picture and best director and best writing and best lead actress jodie foster and best actor uh Anthony Hopkins. His might have supporting. been supporting. Um, Let me look it up. But um yeah, this this movie was a phenomenon. We were not born yet. Actor in a leading role. Okay. That does make sense. He is the lead like male actor in that movie. So yeah, I'll we'll give it with to that. him. <laughs> um and this this just kind of marks a time when someone goes out and does something so weird. And fresh and insane. And for the most part, in even through the annals of or the annals of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the annals of time. People just agree, like, yeah, it's a great movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um that's my intro on the silence oh. of the lambs.
1: When did you first see it?
0: I first saw it with some friends, I believe a year out of high school. Yes. And I think it's number 18 on IMDb's top 250, so I was working my way through a lot of those movies, and I was really excited to watch it. But I did watch it at someone's house, and her mom was there.
1: Did she watch the movie with you?
0: And I think she was like in the kitchen doing stuff while we were watching the movie in the living room, and um, there there were several of us. And even though I believe she had seen the movie, and she was definitely on board with us watching Silence of the Lambs at her house. Yeah. It was just the movie really got under my skin, but then beyond that, I I think the context of watching it made me kind of go, oh, that's like a gross movie, and I don't really like it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But then throughout time, I've thought like, no, it's good. And then this was the only time I've ever watched it.
1: Before that, you had never seen it on TV. No. You never a clip. Nary a clip.
0: I really hadn't, I, well, okay, so. You just so, knew it
1: was a movie that had Anthony Hopkins in it?
0: And Jodie Foster, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I may have seen clips, like, played at the Academy Awards or something like that, I don't know. Oh, in
1: 1992, when you were not born yet?
0: Well, may- maybe they had, like, I, I don't know, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've seen clips, but I don't think I'd seen a scene from the yeah, movie, how yeah. about that? Okay, Um,
1: did, did you know what this movie was about prior to watching it?
0: Well, I think I assumed, I mean, this is what, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. I think I assumed that she was trying to get Hannibal the whole movie, and I didn't realize there was like a serial and then pretty killer. pretty
1: early on, you're like, oh, he's already caught.
0: Right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about your first time?
1: Um, watched it. See, I've seen a lot of it on TV growing up, but it was always from my memory, like if it was on TV, depending on where it was at, my dad would change the channel quickly. So yeah. it, like, built up in my brain this, like, this um, forbidden movie that is really, really scary, but it was on TV a lot.
0: Sure. Um,
1: and then I think when Blockbuster was still around, I rented it, finally, mm-hmm. and was like, I'm going to figure out what this movie is. And I watched it, and it was great. It, it really yeah. was, like, answering all these questions I had <laughs> yeah. for years because I'd seen, I'd saved just most of it, but none of the answers had been, none of the questions had been answered. Right. So...
0: You yeah. know what's kind of funny is, um, if you really think about this movie, um, as graphic as it is, I mean, for the most part, you could actually play most of the movie on TV.
1: Definitely. I was um, surprised, just because it's been a long time since I've seen it, that most of, I would say, the most graphic stuff, I mean, there definitely is graphic stuff, for sure, but but a lot of what you think they would show, they don't show, and it actually made it scarier yeah. that they didn't show it, like when... The, um, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Crawford or the guy at the prison, like showed her a picture of the nurse that Hannibal, like tore her tongue out of her face and like dislocated her jaw. Like we didn't see the picture, but he described it and we see Jodie Foster's reaction Yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh, I feel sick. I feel physically ill. Yeah. And we're like 15 minutes into the movie.
0: Well, the movie is a masterclass in tone. I yeah. mean, it's really wild. And so, how do you know much about Jonathan Demme, Jordan?
1: I know what I told you last night. He made this movie, Blank Check did a series on him, and Scott Ackerman was a guest on one of those. Oh, and he directed um, Stop, Stop Making, Making Sense.
0: Sense. Yeah, so um, he, he is, what's funny is I think, I'd have to double check, I think this is the only movie of his that I've seen.
1: Yeah, I think um, me too.
0: Which is like, it's a pretty huge blind spot because he's one of the great, uh, I, I think he's kind of like, maybe people don't talk about him as much as, you know, a Spielberg or George Lucas or something like that. But I think he's like right below the cusp of maybe 10 years from now, everyone will be like, how have you not seen eight Jonathan Demi movies? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I listened to blank check series on him. So I, I know quite a bit about him. Yeah. Um, and what's what's very interesting about him is he's just a very personal and heartwarming and generous filmmaker
1: why do you say that
0: so he he just um so his movies before this were a lot of comedies and um, oh. I think a couple of slice of life kind of things Th- oh, this is like I thought he
1: did like action movies. Not oh, action movies.
0: No, no, no. Th- this would be like if um if the guy who did Moneyball was like, oh, okay, I'm making a Hannibal movie and you're like, What? You did Well, he
1: made Foxcatcher and that was pretty intense.
0: Oh yeah, that's a bad example, actually. But
1: I understand what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Um so he I mean, it it, it would be like if you know what it, A better example would be like if Greta Gerwig said the next <laughs> okay. movie I'm making is about a serial killer and she makes the best if like Edgar thriller. Wright's
1: new movie, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um she or he is um he's kind of known for that. He has movies like Married to the Mob, Running Wild, and they're funny and they're sweet and they're kind. And I know one of the things they talked about a lot in their series is that he was he's one of these directors that I think he had a pretty bad experiences on one of his earlier movies with oh, okay. working with Cruz. And from then on, he's like, no, I want to work with my friends. Oh, and so uh, so he's. He's not one of these, like, Jack White guys where he's like, I want to push uphill to get artistic. He's like, no, I want to, like, hire someone that I trust and trust them to do their job. And we're friends. And And watching the behind the scenes, it sounds like the experience on this movie was, like, friends hanging out making a movie. And it was really fun for making The Silence of the Lambs. Huh. And um, there, there was a lot of great stuff like um, Anthony Hopkins. And we talk about this a lot, method acting.
1: Oh, he meant not acted? No. Oh, okay. This is what oh, I love. Oh, yeah, you,
0: you told me about this. What but, I yeah. love is, like, in his interviews, and, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm not hearing the questions, but I'm sure they're mm-hmm. going, how did you get into the mind of mm-hmm. this crazy killer, and how how are you sane? And all his answers are just like, yeah, um, I mean, I acted, and then when they yelled cut, I was done acting. It's That's what I do. I show up and I act, and then I'm done acting when they call cut, and- Um, it's a job jody foster and i are buds and we had a good time and it was a really fun shoot as opposed to the killer in the last movie who was like you know stalking around set not wanting to talk to people yeah brooding and and stuff yeah and even ted levine the buffalo bill Uh in this movie uh i got a similar energy really from him where like him and that actress who was in the well yeah they went out of their way to make sure that they were like Communicating with each yeah. other and not hurting each other. I
1: can see that going one of two, like both both ways of and like the last movie, like making the choice to be aloof, yeah, and make people kind of look over their shoulder when he walks into a room because he he wants that energy to always yeah. be present so you can get more real performances in that person's opinion. And then I can also see like that's also see them having a good relationship intentionally. It kind of reminds me of when kids are in horror movies like what was the one that I think we talked about this. Oh, it was an Insidio- insidious insidious. They, they were watching. The kids were watching the, the lipstick demon putting on his makeup. Like they were, yeah. while they were applying all of it to him, the kids was, was
0: like, come watch and see this person who's a normal person put on this scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think, I, I think it's a good argument for, um, I, I know that different artists go about things different ways and I, there's not a right way and a wrong way. But you know, I watch a movie like this, and Hannibal's- well, there's a wrong
1: way. Uh, Jared Leto as Joker. Well, I was but, I yeah. was gonna
0: actually say I was actually gonna speak about our newest Jonker, but um, I think that that it's just like I I do think actors sometimes, especially when they're playing some someone cartoony, they take uh-huh. it a little too seriously. Uh-huh. Because the other thing is Anthony Hopkins kept saying like, this is kind of like a cartoonish role. Like this guy is weird, and if you if you don't play it just right, if you're not totally keyed into the performance, um, people will laugh when they're watching the movie. So he's so he's he's not taking himself too seriously. And I I I love that. And that's if I was an actor, I think I would want to do that rather uh-huh. rather than like only on set refer to me as Hannibal Lecter uh-huh. and only Jonathan Demi speak with me and stuff and I don't know I mean
1: sometimes method acting can work in your favor uh, Daniel Day Lewis famously uh, pretended to have cerebral palsy in my left foot so that everyone could carry him around on set
0: <laughs> yeah
1: a joke but also true
0: <laughs> yeah and 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 I method I, acting isn't bad yeah. I, I'm not saying it's bad I just think sometimes it's it's touted amongst film people and film watchers as like this person. Is really incredible, and they did Uh all this stuff. And sometimes you just think, "Yeah, well, Joaquin Phoenix, you didn't have to do all that garbage. You could have just been a normal person and then uh, done the Joker movie and given the exact same role." Because it's not that interesting.
1: If uh, Jack Nicholson is a method actor, no. Okay, because I, you know, one of the most famous Jokers, he probably has the most fun out of every Joker I've seen on screen, besides Mark Hamill voicing Joker.
0: Mark Hamill.
1: he he looks like he's having such a fun time but he is t- completely embodying Joker in all the ways. Uh-huh. And he probably when they did cut he's like, "Okay, what well, can I take the makeup off now?"
0: Yeah. And I, I it's funny that you say that cuz I was thinking about
1: a lot of Tim people Burton. who do Joker cite like they're like, "Oh, we I'm inspired by Jack Nicholson." Yeah. His performance. And it's like, "But why do you have to like become that person off camera?"
0: Yeah. During the shoot. And, and uh, this speaks to Anthony Hopkins, like understanding the Hannibal Lecter character, because, you know, a, a lot of times the Joker's just the best example because there's mm-hmm. so many examples of it. And people, for some reason, at a certain point, I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix or Jared Leto ever read a Batman comic, but I, I don't I know. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know when they decided that this character, who's clearly a comic character and silly. At the end of the day, no matter what you say about Joker, he's a, he was created as a silly character. He's called think, the Joker. He should be a little bit fun. I think
1: a big part of it is Heath Ledger. And he, had, he also, though, they wrote that character funny and zany. They did. But the Dark Knight is known for being the gritty version. I know. That set a precedent for a lot of superhero problems that we have today, trying to imitate that. Yeah, but like, so you think and people
0: forget how fun Dark Knight is? When I know. We watch it. It's and, it's not this dour, brooding movie. But then you hear the rumors
1: movie. of Heath Ledger never being able to shake off the bad feelings of being Joker, and like how it affected him mentally. Whether or not that was true, I think he had a lot of deeper issues going on.
0: Yeah, than and then it adds playing to this a character mythology.
1: Well, then because of him, now I hear so many people. Like I even heard Bill Skarsgård had issues when he was Pennywise. And it's like, I don't even know if that's true. If I can believe that. Yeah. Maybe he just had a fun, like not even a fun time. Maybe he just showed up and did his job just because (laughs) he's a clown. We have to assume that he has (laughs) mental issues now or, or not mental issues, but feels like he needs to get help.
0: Well, I mean, that's the Stephen King thing that you and I talk about a lot where people are always asking Stephen King, how do you come up with these stories? You're like, what happened to you? And he goes, I'm, I'm a writer. I make up things. It's my imagination. Yeah. Have you never heard of an imagination? You can be a normal person and think of crazy stuff. Yep. Especially when that's your job. Yep. <laughs> like,
1: he's had he's had a, you know, pretty normal life.
0: Yeah. It's not everything has to be so twisted. Yeah. But one of these days, um who knows when it'll happen, we're going to be talking about a lot that goes into Jokers. So, Yeah. Um, who knows though when Maybe. whenever that'll be. Yeah. Um but yeah, so John. all that to say, Jonathan Demme directed this he's movie. A, he's
1: a sweet guy.
0: Yeah, I got to watch Stop Making Sense. I've been meaning to watch that for yeah, so Yeah, I need
1: long. to watch it too. Um, I said, ever since we watched that Documentary Now episode, I think that will be funnier to me yeah. once I watch this.
0: Uh, the screenplay is by Ted Talley, who up to this point was mostly a playwright.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And um, he also did the screenplay for 12 Strong. He didn't come back for Hannibal, but he did the screenplay for Red Dragon. And then, and I didn't, I didn't even know that this existed. But he did the screenplay for the adaptation of Cormac McCarthy's book, All the Pretty Horses.
1: Well, wait, did they make a movie?
0: They made a movie (gasps) starring Matt Damon. Hmm. And I forgot, I forgot who directed it, but it was someone that it was a, it was a. I'm gonna look it up. I think it's like an actor. Um, But anyway, when did it come out? Oh, I'm looking it up. Why? I I don't know.
1: Came out in 2000. The kid from ET is in it. Wow, but I don't think he was a kid because this is 2000. Billy Bob,
0: Billy Bob which Thornton. makes a
1: lot of sense. Yeah, to me. Uh, Penelope Cruz is also in it. That's right. Sam Shepard, Robert Patrick. Wow, a lot of people. Guys, if you haven't read Cormac McCarthy, do yourself a favor and read him.
0: But don't read uh, Child of God or Children of God. No,
1: you should that definitely read No Country for Old Men. That'll be that should be your jumping off point.
0: Yeah, that's a great American novel.
1: And then fill, follow it up with The Road.
0: I, I haven't read that one yet. And then
1: read that trilogy, the the horses trilogy. The,
0: the Borders trilogy. The
1: Borders trilogy that has that book in it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the score is by Howard Shore. Of course, we've talked about Howard Shore before with Lord of the Rings. The score to this movie, come on. Really good. Really good score. Very atmospheric. Um, I like I like that he leans on atmosphere over melodies and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, r- uh, just a very haunting score. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, Tak Fujimoto did the cinematography. Very good job. He's a big Demi guy. Cool. And he also did the second unit camera on Star Wars nineteen seventy seven, A, a Th- New Hope. Fir- first one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Gladiator, uh, Sixth Sense, and The Happening as well. So whoa, the guy's a genius. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's cool. We need to
1: watch The Sixth Sense, Micah.
0: I know. It's been a long time. I, I
1: keep referencing it, and you don't remember anything.
0: Yeah, I just remember the twist yeah. and that he's at dinner at one point.
1: Who's at dinner? Bruce <laughs> oh, Willis. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Willis, when his wife is... Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Um, this movie comes out February 14th, 1991. It has a budget of $19 million. And granted, this is an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. It's number one at the box office for like five weeks in a row. And it makes 130 domestically and 272 worldwide. That's a smashing success. Yeah. Especially they they put this movie out on Valentine's Day. How crazy is that?
1: Whoa, that's weird. I mean, that's got to be intentional.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's also it's also got to be. Um... I don't know. It, it makes sense as a, like a date night movie. Oh, yeah. Even though I think you'd walk out and you'd be like, I wish we hadn't have gone this and seen this This is a this movie, movie
1: that you see in theaters and then afterwards you go to a diner and you talk about it for three hours.
0: Yep. And we're going to give you one of those hours now at least. Yeah. Um, so the rights to the book were bought by Orion Pictures, one of the producers on this movie, um, who also produced Terminator.
1: Ah, Okay.
0: Um, and they bought it, and then Gene Hackman was going to direct it and star in it. And I he d- as who? I'm not sure. I'm oh. a, um I'm not sure. But he he uh put up like half of half of m- the amount of money they needed to get it off the ground as like collateral. Let's get it started. Oh. Then Gene hires Ted Tally the script uh-huh. the screenwriter, and the screenwriter gives him like half of a draft. And Gene Hackman says, "This is too violent for me. I can't. I can't do this. Too
1: violent for Gene."
0: And Orion Pictures gives him his money back.
1: Wow! Did he not read the book?
0: Well, I he may, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but then um, one of the producers, Mike Manovoy, he uh, sent a script to Demi, or someone sent a script to Demi, and I no one really knows if Demi even read it. He just was like, "Oh, like a horror thriller? No, huh. not gonna do it." And then, uh, Mike Menavoy, one of the producers said, read this book and sent him silence, of- the silence of the lambs and said, you have to read this book. And once he read it, Demi said, okay, I'll do it. <gasps> and again, keep in mind, this is a weird choice uh-huh. to have Jonathan Demi do it. Cause I think this is, I think this is the key to this movie is Jonathan Demi, uh-huh. even more so than Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. Okay. I think it's Jonathan Demi, um, but of course, he brought them in. Coming so. from a
1: guy who's only seen this one Jonathan Demme movie, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, Jodie Foster had read the book before, and before they started making this movie, she was like talking to her manager and stuff. She's like, "I want to star in this."
1: Oh wow, she said. And what? this book came out when in the eighties.
0: Um, I I think 88, like the late eighties.
1: So she probably read it soon when after it came out and was like, "Oh, there someone's making a movie about this," yeah. especially since we had Red Dragon too. So
0: yeah so okay. she's like i i want to be in this she's telling her manager and she tells demi i think she even meets with him and says i gotta no she doesn't meet with him yet i don't think but she says i, I want to be in this and he's like that's great um I'll, I'll i'll leave you a second because i'm gonna i'm casting michelle pfeiffer in the movie <laughs> because he had worked with there's her before No
1: way there's no way it's a
0: different movie that's yeah. for sure um, but he, he'd worked with Michelle Pfeiffer. They were friends. Oh, and my he gosh. Says, you know, I, I, she's going to be in the movie. Okay. Michelle Pfeiffer reads the script, and she says, this is way too violent for me. I can't oh be in this Oh, my gosh. Movie. And so then Jonathan Demi meets with Jodie Foster, and she says some stuff about how she wants to play this role and, like, emphasizing this woman who's in a man's world and how she will do whatever it takes to get save this other woman in the movie and that wow yeah,
1: yeah okay
0: and that's like how she saw the character and she said um she like has to do it and when he heard that he's like it was she like, gets it well he was like oh that like unlocked the movie for uh-huh. me uh-huh so so then yeah. then even he was able to go now i know what i'm doing like now i get it um and so yeah so they're campaigning for the part she gets it and then finally um they, a funny thing is they start shooting the movie and there's like some jokes and stuff that they're throwing in the movie oh and Jody Foster is going what what are you doing Demi like what are you doing and he's like just trust me just trust me and then as the shooting progressed, it, it it got rid of all that stuff. And when she watched the movie, there, that none of that's in there.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And in an interview with her, she was saying, I think he was just kind of doing what he knew and getting his feet wet those first couple weeks. Okay. And that I makes just sense. had to trust him. And then by the time they started working on the movie, like f- further down into I mean, shooting, I feel
1: like you can get swept away by the story very quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, so Colleen Atwood, who's a huge uh, costume designer, uh-huh. she's behind the mask, the Hannibal mask. So she's, like, the designer of that mask. Oh, okay. Um, And they were going to do more to it, but they got the, like, plaster, whatever it's Uh made out of, from the company, Uh and they were going to, you know, design it. And then she just looked at it. She's like, oh, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. They didn't make any changes. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins improvised the sucking sound, the... Uh Yeah. As a joke, and he thought that they would cut it, and then when he saw the movie, he's like, oh, you kept it in. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then the victim, who's in the well... Yes. uh, I should have looked up her name, but that's your job, I guess. Yes. Um, She gained 25 pounds. Wow. Because as we find out later... Brooke Smith. Brooke Smith.
1: Is the actress's name.
0: Okay. As we find out later, the um, Buffalo Bill is skinning these women, so he likes them to be on the bigger side so that...
1: He can starve them and their skin loosens.
0: Ugh. Ugh. Um, And then the moths in this movie are all real moths.
1: Oh, um, moth. moths. Moths.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a hard word to pronounce. Um and Ray Mendez is the moth wrangler. And he said it was impossible at that time of year to get those deathhead moths that they needed um from Asia because they weren't they you know they're like in uh
1: there's a season for them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so um they made these fake nails and they put them on the backs of native moths. Okay. So that, that's kind of cool.
1: Oh, so they're not the real thing?
0: They're not the death head moth, but they are actual moths.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and not. It, but does that actual moth exist? Yes, it does. The kind that they wanted? Okay.
0: And that's what they couldn't get. Yeah, Because of the yeah. time of year. Okay. They put um,
1: nails on the back? Like
0: Like, uh, fingernails? like, like fake fingernails. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they painted them with that skull thing, yeah. and then they put that's those impressive. on their
1: back. That is impressive.
0: I know. And then all of those moths flying around, especially when we're in um, the, the, the house. killer's house. Yeah. Those are all on like tiny strings and the moth wrangler has a harness around the moths and he's like behind the camera, like throwing all these moths in front of the camera, like a puppeteer.
1: (laughs) I'm genuinely speechless.
0: Isn't that kind of cool? Did you see any footage of that? Not behind the scenes, How come no no
1: one snapped a pic?
0: Maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, But, um, and then I know I'm doing a lot. There's just so much cool stuff about the movie. Um. But the there's a scene where Buffalo Bill is pulling back the cocoon on uh-huh. a moth, and that is real. That is not- That's I,
1: part that we saw, and we were like, um, no? Yeah. Okay, I thought it yeah. was like
0: an animatronic or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I thought he was
1: like pulling out the head. No. Of a live one.
0: So, w- well, and what they did is, so they had these cocoons, mm-hmm. and once the cocoon started rattling, mm-hmm. and they were like about to hatch- they c- put them in like a fridge, which uh-huh. slows them down because they're cold blooded. And then before they're ready to shoot, they took them out and then he would grab it and wait till it's, you know, shaking. And then he'd pull back the cocoon and it's totally safe and fine.
1: Gosh, that is so insane. Isn't that cool? That's insane. Because
0: all of that would be um, CGI now. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and and I mean, they said that no moths were harmed in the making of the movie. So it seems like this was a, a good route to go. Um but, uh, that's kind of, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, the autopsy woman is a real actress that's sitting, laying there on the table. Oh, okay. So that's not, um, it I, wasn't a, I thought it was a dummy. Yeah. But she's sitting there on a cold day of shooting with all this crazy makeup and with like a Tootsie Roll kind of thing stuck in her jaw that they're pulling out of her mouth.
1: Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow i wonder how long that shoot that shoot took for her
0: oh man and jodie foster was saying how it was really really cold and she was like mvp for this girl she's like the unsung hero of this movie so um that's all the notes i got
1: so extra notes of the the like serial killer of the story is he is uh taken from some real serial killers um one of them you had mentioned Ted. They got some inspiration from Ted Bundy. Inspiration sounds wrong, but
0: yeah. Well, and and most of this is Thomas Harris because it's all yes. it's in the novels. Oh yes, the well, but the it is broken arm. Faking. I think worth
1: noting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, like Tom T- uh, Tom Bundy. Ted Bundy is one of the the I guess serial killers he pulled inspiration from. But another big uh, serial killer that he pulled inspiration from was um, Ed Gein, and he is. Uh, he's uh was active during the 40s and is a very interesting individual i wrote an, a recount reveal about it so go read about it recountreveal.com he was yeah, a body a snatcher one. so he dug up uh graves of women he knew were recently buried and skinned them and um he has a pretty sad past where he grew up with a a dad that was kind of a deadbeat and the mom would not allow her him and his brother to have friends and told them that all women are from the devil besides me mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so eventually uh, the dad dies so it's just the boys and the mom and then the brother wants to get married to a woman who is has children and then shortly after that the brother is dead uh from a fire um, and then the, is that a
0: quote? Fire from a fire?
1: I mean, I th- I believe like cause of death is a f- asphyxi- asphyxiation, but later on, uh, I think with advancement of forensics, mm-hmm. I think some people have speculated that he- there was like blunt force trauma on his head, so like maybe he was hit, knocked out, fire was started because him and Ed Gein were, I think, doing brush fires like in the field because they lived on a farm. Okay, and a fire did get out of control, but it was it man made. You know, was it intentional, out of control or not? Um, so it was just Edgy and his mom, uh, and he, he was reported to be a very quiet person, but also a, a nice person that didn't really talk to anybody. And when the mom died, he became a re- kind of a recluse in a way, and um, uh, this a local woman was murdered or she, was, she went missing and the investigation took, them, took investigators to his farmhouse where they found her body. Um, and then they found, I believe there's another person they believe that he had killed. And then that's when they discover that he had been body snatching. Yeah. Because then they go into his house Ugh. and it's one of the worst hoarding situations that you could fathom. Uh, but the only rooms in the house that were spotless was his mother's room.
0: Like always clean. And this is the inspiration for the Psycho novel. Yes. And then the Psycho movie.
1: Yes. Um, Because it's a man who's obsessed with his mom. So you find out, they go into his house. Uh, I won't say all the things that he did because some of it is really graphic and horrific, but he did, uh, there were like lampshades made out of human skin, chairs made out of human skin, all all of it women.
0: Oh, man. Um,
1: And then they also discover that he was building or creating a a suit out of skin because he wanted to become his mom.
0: That's crazy. And that's
1: where you get like, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's psycho. Yeah. Like big, big vibes of that. But this movie is about a person who is sewing together a body out of human skin because he wants to become a woman.
0: Yes. Um, did, did you, do you remember that story that, um, not story. It happened where um, someone who went to Cascade, our old high school, their grandma was um, in uh, the Holocaust. Do you remember this?
1: The lady that came to speak at the Holocaust? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that lady. And
0: and she, while she was in a concentration camp...
1: She was like a maid, though, for someone.
0: Yeah, so she became like a maid for, um, I forget... Like an
1: SS guard, I think.
0: Well, it was this woman, and I don't remember her name, but she's like one of the most famous... Nazis ever this woman and she was like a, I think she was a doctor I'm getting okay. some of my facts wrong but when she was like doing up the house and stuff um, the, the, the Nazi always said like never go into that room that room that room and she kept saying that and then one day she went into that room and there were human there was like a couch with like human skin on it and like a lampshade and all this stuff and they were
1: using soap made out of from the fat.
0: Oh, I don't even remember I remember you saying that. And that was the wildest thing to hear. And to, because we were, I mean, we saw the woman in real life. Uh-huh. I mean, like, and uh, gosh, ki- kind of like a, I mean, of course, it's a, a very, very sobering and, and a sad thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of unbelievable that we had the opportunity to actually see someone in person mm-hmm. who survived The holocaust and concentration camps and And
1: survive witnessing that
0: oh my gosh yeah
1: Um, insane yeah um
0: (laughs) let's uh let's end now okay so
1: going to actors so we have as mentioned jodie foster she plays clarice um guys it's jodie foster if you haven't seen her in a movie you're wrong because you have (laughs) um there is a picture of her on imdb with her and dave batista
0: uh you gotta scroll back one
1: so she was already one of the coolest wow. ladies alive, but now she's even cooler, because yeah. I'm just assuming they're buds. Um, but she is yeah. in Contact, uh, Hotel Artemis, Elysium.
0: Taxi Driver.
1: Taxi Driver. What's that other Scorsese movie where she's a kid? One of her um, first roles.
0: Uh, 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 Alice, Alice doesn't, doesn't live, live here, here anymore. anymore. Jinx, um, 1, 2, 3, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, um,
1: I mean, it's... It's Jodie Foster. Oh, and Panic Room.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's just
1: she's just she's an a powerhouse,
0: undeniable actress. Uh-huh. I mean, I of course I've not seen all of her movies, but everything I've seen her in, it's she has a quality that not many actors have, where you just go like, ah, nobody else could have done it. I agree. And I mean, I feel that sh- strongly about The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, me too. If you put anyone else in that role, I think the movie uh, is not as good. I mean, she really, really brings it in this movie. She does. And in does. in this in this viewing, I was like more keyed into her than I was Hannibal. Yeah, me too. I think the first time you got you're just overtaken by Hannibal. Because mm-hmm. it's it's he an demands electric the attention. performance. Yeah. But this time I was just like so keyed into her and her emotional story as well. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um well deserved Oscar. <laughs>
1: but Anthony Hopkins does play Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Uh guys. It's Anthony Hopkins.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, I'm really not even going to go over his filmography other than he played C.S. Lewis in a movie.
0: Well, let me hit you with one thing on him is Jonathan Demme saw David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Okay. And he, that's why he wanted to cast him in the movie because hmm. he was uh, a doctor in that movie and yeah. and wanted to kind of kind of take that role and flip it.
1: I was uh, listening to a pod, uh, stuff you should know about Elephant Man and they talked about how th- that movie that uh, David Lynch's movie is why Bradley Cooper wanted to become an actor, which makes sense because he was in that Broadway run that of sense. the Elephant Man. and I always thought that was so random. yeah, but it's not.
0: Yeah well, and it's it's weird to be like one of the most handsome people in the world well, and then star in the Elephant Man as the Elephant Man. And yeah. he wasn't in makeup and stuff in the play, I don't think. And it's kind of like... Oh,
1: I didn't know that. Well, I, th- I think it was
0: like a minimalist mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't see it. But, I mean, the cover is Bradley Cooper standing there.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. And it's like, that's true. you
0: are a beautiful man. <laughs> You're not the <laughs> elephant man. We know how Micah feels. Yeah.
1: Um, Cassie Lemons plays Clarice's friend, Ardelia Mapp. Uh, she directed Harriet. Really? Yes.
0: The the woman at the end that they kind of like put the last piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle together. She
1: directed Harriet. Huh. She also directed.
0: Wow. That's uh, cool.
1: An episode of Luke Cage. Good and, for her. Uh, up, some other episodes of stuff. And then some movies I've never heard of. Um, but she's also as an actress. She's in Candyman. ER. Waist Deep.
0: Uh, Candyman. The one that's still coming out.
1: No. 1992's two's Candyman. oh wow okay and then scott glenn plays jack crawford um he is in the hunt for red october backdraft sucker punch greenland what's the other thing that you said yesterday
0: he is stick in daredevil Oh, daredevil the daredevil series and he
1: is also in castle rock i guess
0: he's got to be like a warden oh or something, he's right? like
1: no he's in season one he's sissy spacex oh husband. yes yes well, cool. I think that's where I'm really remembering him from. Yeah.
0: It was interesting seeing how different he played it uh-huh. than the guy in Manhunter who's playing it.
1: I thought they both did an excellent job.
0: I loved both performances. But one was like Chicago uh-huh. cop, angry, anguish, and this and he, this guy played it like Very cool. Very cool. I'm in control. I want to study these people mm-hmm. and I want to solve this murder.
1: Well, I I found I became like in an interest, like Kind of suspicious of him because of when Hannibal asked Clarice, why is Crawford asking you to do this? Do you think he wants to sleep with you? And it's like, this yeah. movie has been very heavily themed about sexism. So yeah. it's like, what is this guy's intention? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> right, he's a student. right, right. Anyway, um, Anthony Held plays Dr. Frederick Chilton, the guy in charge of the prison that Hannibal yeah. is in. He's Which,
0: in, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: X-Men The Last Stand, he's in Red Dragon as the same character. Cool. alone and then a lot of tv shows
0: i did not i i did not see him at the end of the movie but he's
1: yeah he was there i saw him
0: how how have i always missed that i i
1: this is the first time i saw him cuz i was like if he's having a friend for dinner it has to be someone we've already seen and then i saw him and i was like oh of course that's like his nemesis
0: no but for me I always was like, oh, I'm having an old friend for dinner. I'm thinking, oh, okay.
1: There's two old people That's- getting off the plane as he's saying that. Like, right. literally. <laughs> yeah, and I'm
0: just thinking, <laughs> he just knows these random people. Yeah. We don't need to know who they are. And then when I was watching the behind the scenes, someone was talking about that scene and saying, how he's stalking Chilton. And then I'm going, what? It- or Ch- well, you know what they what, said, What remember? is his name again? Chilton. Chilton.
1: But he made a deal with the senator, Chilton, to, to get Hannibal to her to give her information. I think one of the deals was this trip and, and that, that's why Hannibal knew to go yeah, there Yeah,
0: no it makes sense it's just funny it's one of those things that I've never noticed and had I not watched the behind the scenes I never would have known that he was stalking him yeah. unless they had talk about it in the next movie
1: yeah
0: <laughs> I just had no idea um
1: Brooke Smith plays Catherine Martin the woman in the well or the pit um she is in bad company fair game Labor Day Big Sky Bombshell the act oh man she is active she's even in the good doctor um, and then Ted Levine plays James Gum,
0: and we've talked about him in, on our Jurassic cool. World Fallen Kingdom episode.
1: Cool. Um, I think we good.
0: Yeah, it does also have um, Charles Napier, who is uh, the the cop in Rambo, and uh, he's he's a pretty big actor. Who's that? So, um, have you seen Rambo? <laughs> Once. He's like oh, I the see main him now. bad I see him guy. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's a, great a lot, actor.
1: a lot of people in this movie, like almost everyone that we saw on screen is like, Oh, seen him in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, this was a movie that, um, I had to fight my look at what else they're in and what I recognize them from mm-hmm. on IMDb. Cause I was like, no, I'm watching this movie. I'm only looking down to take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie begins as all movies do as in, it just begins. Um, And we see we're at Quantico and we're Mm -hmm. seeing Jodie Foster go through training, Mm a little bit of training. And then pretty soon she's pulled aside. Crawford wants to see her. Yes, he wants to see her. And he begins saying how well, she notices on the wall that there's all these um, pictures of the Buffalo Bill killings. Mm
1: -hmm. He's claimed his fifth victim as one of the headlines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so we're kind of laying the groundwork for that, and she she seems to be slightly disturbed, but also interested by the wall of.
1: Uh, she craziness. yeah, she is a student training to be an FBI agent.
0: Yeah, um, and then uh, also the camera's just like floating. Oh yeah, the camera work in this movie. Come on, really good. All about it. Um, it's just floating with her, and pretty much except for the scenes that have the killer. It's like all just her perspective, yeah. Um, and it's all like shot with the intent of we're in her brain. We're yeah. seeing the world the way she sees it. Yep. Um, and so, and, and there's are there's uh, there in that first scene where they're talking Crawford and her. There's already a ton of close-ups, mm-hmm. and some of them are down the barrel of the camera. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that very often. No. Um, especially because this movie probably has like 50 to 100 of those shots in it. And
1: I th- think the, they're really effective with can- with, cannibal. with Hannibal. Because you feel like you're too close to him. When when you're told to not get close to him. Yes. Because they tell Clarice that. So then and the it camera feels like he's talking right there. to you. Yeah.
0: Oh, so it's, so it's, it's really creepy. Um, um,
1: so Crawford... Um, wants her to go interview or go ask Hannibal some questions about Buffalo Bill. So they're basically desperate at this point and they've been asking other um, serial killers in prisons for any help, basically help us get into the mind of this person because mm-hmm. you're a serial killer. So she, he wants her to go to Hannibal and just give him a questionnaire. Yeah. And,
0: and I did not remember him showing up. Like in the first fifteen minutes of Yeah, the me movie.
1: too. Me too.
0: I thought I thought he was like twenty, half hour. And well, I I, honestly
1: didn't remember that she was a student.
0: I didn't either. But I, I also remembered him showing up and he's in I, I in my head, he's in two, maybe three scenes in the movie. Yeah. But he's in this movie a lot. Yeah. I thought this was one of those roles that people always say people think that Hannibal's in the movie for a long time, but he's actually only in ten well, minutes of think, screen time compared but it, to way more than yeah, that. Yeah,
1: compared to the last movie, um, Will Graham already had a relationship with Hannibal. Yeah. This movie, she she's meeting him for the first time. Right. So there it makes, it's just great how much time they do get together.
0: Yeah. And I I love just how, di- like, I know that these aren't, this isn't really them making a sequel to Manhunter. Yeah. Right. But I love, love, love how Manhunter looks so different from this movie. And these movies are, they, they do not look like they're part of the same universe. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm hoping because no direct, not, no two directors have directed or no, no one director has directed two of these movies. I'm hoping that they're all pretty distinct in their visual language. Mm-hmm. That is like my hope. Cause that would just be so interesting mm-hmm. to me. But, uh, anyway, so she is, she's being prepped as you are the audience about this Hannibal character and mm-hmm. how he's no good. And Don't, he's it's scary. like, if you're
1: going to pass him anything, um, it can't have a paper clip, a staple, nothing. It can only be paper. No pens, no nothing. Uh-huh. Um, don't get close to the glass.
0: Don't get close to the glass.
1: Um, I mean, it almost says Don't give them personal. Don't information. Don't give them any personal information about yourself because you don't want them in your head. Yeah. So she goes there,
0: and uh, as she's going, she you know she's going through the hallways. And- By the way,
1: I think it's worth noting beforehand. She gets to the hosp- to the prison, and she first is meeting with Chilton. Um, and he, she basically like, I'm here with, I'm from the FBI. I need this from you. Yeah. And all he cares about is how pretty she is and
0: yeah. how he wants
1: to show her a good time in Baltimore tonight. And that's probably the first time a man has hit on her, but there will be a lot more of men hitting on her in this movie. Um,
0: and, and he also, um, Kind of belittles her in a in a yes. way where he says, "Oh, this is actually a smart idea for Jack because Hannibal hasn't seen a woman in eight years, so this is smart that he's having you come down." Yes,
1: here.
0: belittling her I'm, actual, um, like her her credibility her, as yes, a person yes. because
1: later on she asks Crawford, I think like why are you keeping me in the dark about Hannibal? Because she kind of is figuring out that Crawford didn't send her just to give him a questionnaire. Uh, Like there's ulterior motives to which Crawford says, I can't let you know everything because then he'll find out, you know, but then at the same time, that's just him not believing that she can handle it. Maybe because she's a woman. I don't know. Maybe he did believe that she would get something different or more from him because she's a woman.
0: Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, a, it goes both ways on all those things with Crawford.
1: Definitely. So, um, yeah. So she's take a lot of walking down hallways to get there, showing yeah. you a la- labyrinth, almost as if it's like, how is she gonna get out? Kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, as I, soon as she's in like this, the section right outside of his uh-huh. cell, the lights are now red. Yes. And it's very distinct. And I
1: gotta point out, face. the guy who plays Barney is so sweet.
0: Yes. Love he Barney. Is. He's good.
1: Uh, he's very encouraging. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, so she walks slowly down the hall to a cell and we see some other people. I, I, this is a type of solitary confinement sort of, because he's the mm-hmm. only one person to a cell in this, you know, it's like high maximum security yeah. area. Um,
0: and, and yeah. so she, she's walking down and she begins speaking with Hannibal Lecter. And mm-hmm. when she rounds the corner the camera, again, it's her perspective. And, um, I also in the in the behind the scenes, Anthony Hopkins, this was his choice and idea of you come around the corner and he's just standing there. He's not sitting down. He's not he's ready to talk or whatever. Uh And and already it's just like, uh, I mean, an unbelievable performance. And you've seen him for one second. Oh,
1: my gosh, I know. And when he's asking for her credentials and she shows him her credentials and he's telling her to get closer and she extends her arm. But then he still wants her to get closer. And yeah. you're just like in your brain, like, don't get near. Like You were told not to get near him, even though there's plexiglass. Between and it's you all and
0: a power move because he, yes. he's staring at her face. And then he looks at the at the mm-hmm. um, credentials for maybe a second mm-hmm. and then looks back. At but,
1: her. but he also proves, you know, I mean, we all know that he's super intelligent, but he in that time is like, oh, you're about to your credentials are about to expire. Yeah. Realizing that she's a student.
0: Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, and what I love about this exchange and all of the Hannibal stuff in this movie is they really emphasize, which I'm sure it's all in the source material. They really emphasize that he used to be um, a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. not not in the fact that they keep mentioning it, but just in his actions and how he's Definitely. speaking and
1: how he's asking questions and what questions he's asking. Yeah. Um, so he obviously is immediately interested in Clarice and is probably just as interested in why she was sent to him um cuz everything's a game so he's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um she explains what she's there to explain, hoping to get some information that he can give her about how Buffalo Bill operates or any information of what you could think of to give her.
0: And and I love how she's talking and they're they're starting to kind of get somewhere and then she goes, "Well, I have this questionnaire." And he goes, "Clarice, you were doing so good." Yeah. "And now you've you you this this lazy transition. It's no good. It's yeah. no good." Yeah. They're Like there's never a point in the movie where he is not in control of everything. Yes. And
1: I think too, for her being belittled so often, especially at this point in the movie and like people keep telling her like, Oh, you're just a student. He sends someone of the student body to come here. Oh, he sends a woman to come here. But you see, she's given it right back. Like she is like top of her class and is going to be a great, detective when she is able to, like when she's done with the school. So yeah, and it's also like, oh, I mean, she wasn't a random selection.
0: No, in a lot no, of she, she is, she is capable of yeah. doing this job.
1: So what does she learn from this interaction?
0: Well, she, she, she doesn't learn anything and she starts leaving. And then yes. there's a man and he throws some seed at her, uh-huh. <laughs> if you will. And that's nasty. Yeah. And then Um, Hannibal Hannibal calls her back and he's like
1: and And he like apologizes for what happened yeah
0: he says like I don't stand for that sort of thing and that's wrong Uh uh-huh um and then he tells
1: he gives her a name something Moffat
0: yes and he says something like you're gonna have to do it yourself Uh uh-huh and to which she is able to figure out he's referring to this old storage um This old storage unit unit that he had. What I
1: found interesting is because she's trying to figure out who this person is that he's talking about. And what they do know about him is that he destroyed most, pretty much any document of a person existing before he murders them. Him prepping, that's him prepping to murder someone as he basically erases them from the planet. Therefore, he can't find who this person is. But through her good investigating, it's not just not really a person it's a storage unit. That she's supposed oh, to find. Oh,
0: I kind of missed that.
1: I, I mean, I don't know whose it is. I can. You, I mean, I think it's. I'm wondering if it's Hannibal's or the person's head who's in there. If it's theirs, I'm not totally sure.
0: I think it. I think they said it was Hannibal's. Okay. Um, okay. but but yeah. So she goes to this thing, and she she figures out that him saying um Hester Hester Moffat yeah. is an anagram of the rest of me. Yeah. And so the rest of me at the do-it-yourself storage. um, So she goes there. She's going through the storage. It's very weird, very creepy. And then she pulls back on this car and she looks inside and there is a pickled head.
1: A jarred head.
0: A jarred head. Of a um, a
1: man in makeup.
0: Oh, is he in makeup?
1: Yeah, he was in drag.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. Um, you
1: didn't, like, notice the eyelashes? Like- well, he's,
0: like, all puffed up and stuff. So I was just oh. like, oh, man, he looks, like, grotesque. That's all I...
1: <laughs> no, I. it's definitely that because of what we've discovered about it.
0: Yeah. And um. so, anyway, doing all that, and then um, she visits Hannibal again. Mm-hmm. So already we got, like, two visits in, mm-hmm. like, a half hour. And then he basically says, yeah, I'll help you with Bill, but you're going to have to, you know tell me stuff about you.
1: Is it, is this at the point where he admits that he knows who the person is? I, or is it a little bit later? Cause at one I point he, he, he admits yet. who that he does know. And at, through investigation too, I think she also discovers that this person had been a patient of his for a brief moment.
0: Oh Buffalo yeah, Bill had yeah. been, Yeah. Um,
1: anyway, so, yeah, she's, he starts asking her questions about herself, which is, I find interesting, because when she first has the encounter with him, he's saying, like, she's probably just some girl who is one generation away from being white trash. Yeah. And then we find out through flashback, but also through this questioning, that she was um, an only child of a single father. Uh, the mother died when she was really young, and her father was a town marshal. Yeah. Find out that her dad died during, on duty.
0: What is this, Contact?
1: Uh, <laughs> so orphaning her um and i think we find that we get so only as far as she's taken to cousins in montana and she runs away after two months yeah and that's the only And we don't know why and what's interesting is we don't like it's he's so interested about her because of his nature but because of her information that she's giving as a viewer it's like who is she
0: yeah and yeah. why
1: did she run away
0: yeah, and in my head, I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, the uncle was a bad dude to her. Which and, is
1: what he said.
0: And and she says, no, that's not it. And I'm going, it's got to be it, though, until they explain what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's so much different than what I could have thought of, really, mm-hmm. um, in a very interesting and cool way. Yeah. Um, so um, Hannibal's going to help out. And then we have the flashback. Not the flash, but the we go to Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And there is this woman. And she's coming home. She's
1: singing to Tom Petty.
0: Yeah, American Girl. And then there's this man uh, who is trying to get his couch into his car.
1: His creeper van.
0: And he's got a broken arm. Mm-hmm. And this is the Ted Bundy thing. So Ted Bundy yes. would do this. Yes. Um, and then the woman's like, oh, let me help you.
1: And he says, uh, oh, yeah, if you get into the back, we can push it all the way into the back. So yeah. get in the car. Yeah. Oh, my stomach hurts so bad.
0: You know what is cool though the the way it's shot and the way um, Levine is acting. I really only because I know what this movie is, am I doubting what he's doing? You know, what? like he like he's doing such a good job of not not doing like a close up where he's like get into the back.
1: Oh yeah, like he's he, very normal.
0: Yeah, he's very normal, and it seems like a guy who really just can't get this couch up. Mm-hmm. And it feels like oh, if I was there, I would probably be the same thing.
1: Which we do learn early on and throughout the movie. um, He has killed several people, several women at this point. Yeah. And at one point Clarice, she's looking through all the case files and Crawford's asking her, who is this person? What kind of profile are you thinking of this person? And she is saying all the things that she thinks he is based on the profile. And one of it is he is getting a taste for it for killing people. And part of it is how they found the bodies and what state they found him in. And she's saying that he's no longer becoming impulsive as if this is becoming easy to him. Yeah. Um, because he's already gotten away with it. They know of, I think five times
0: five at this point. Yeah.
1: Um, And I think it is interesting that she's profiling him as it is a white male age 25 to 45 yeah. because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Very, I, I just love that kind of when they <laughs> yeah, when they too. pepper in that forensic stuff into uh, things.
0: Um, yeah, and and so so he he kidnaps a girl. Mm. It, he has this one of the grosser things that he does, which uh, pretty much everything is pretty pretty gross. Mm-hmm. But he rips her shirt so you, you well sees he asks her, back. her
1: are you a size fourteen? Yeah,
0: yeah, and then he he rips her shirt back or cuts it or something, and then he just like puts his hand on her back and he's like, okay. No, oh, he is- says, oh good. Yeah, it's. And it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is when Clarice and Crawford, they go to um, the funeral home where I believe it was the fifth body. A recent
1: body had been found. Yeah.
0: And this is when we see her flashback to her, her dad at the funeral. And there's a great scene where um, Jack Crawford meets like the marshal of that town. Mm -hmm. And he says, and it's a
1: room full of the police officers.
0: Yeah. And he says, Hey, can we talk in this other room? You know, I don't want to,
1: don't want to don't offend o- her
0: don't want to offend her and 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 the way it's shot too it's like all these police are just looking down on it's jody. all
1: like the camera's like tilted upwards like we're looking up into their from her perspective yeah. looking up into their face and then we're looking down on her
0: and demi said he purposely tried to cast every officer to be tall like considerably oh. taller than jody foster okay as best as he could do that yeah and so you know they're they're doing that and um and you're kind of like, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a good scene, but it's, it's like a great scene once they talk about it in like a scene later, mm-hmm. but they, they get the body out and well, before they do that, she said, she tells all the guys to leave the room, all the other cops and they're not really listening. And she's like, go on, get out, go, mm-hmm. go. And then finally they kind of shuffle out kind of like, like ugh, okay, whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they're, they're analyzing the body and she notices that there's something in her throat mm-hmm. and she pulls out this cocoon and w- pull it back. And, and then in the next scene, we'll find out that it's the death head moth. Um,
1: but she, she is also just showing her attention to detail and she's because of her training. Um, what kind of person this woman was, she has three ears piercing, three ear piercing. So she's not determined not to be a local woman. And because of her nail polish, because yeah. she's like, that's town. Like that person's a townie. Yeah. And then they flip her over and see that there's two diamond marks of skin oh. removed from her.
0: And the makeup in this movie and the special effects are really impressive. Yeah. I mean, this is grody stuff. Yeah. And they did a wonderful job. <laughs> yeah. And there's just that's a real actress just yeah. sitting there doing her thing.
1: Being still. Yeah. <laughs> breathing shallow. Uh,
0: not not shivering in the cold. Yeah. Um. So all of that craziness. And then um, and then we're, we're leaving in the car again with Jack and Clarice, and she says something to the effect of, "Um, you shouldn't have told that, Marshall. Well, I,
1: I like how he asked her about it. He's like, that really smoked you, didn't it? When I asked yeah. him to leave with me into the other room, and she says, it mattered. What you did mattered. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and ahead. I think
0: before that, she says, um, all the other policemen saw what you did, and that mattered. Yeah. And so she's saying, like you did something like she's not letting him off the hook, even though he says, I was just trying to clear out the police and, yeah. and find something out. And she goes, no, what you did mattered. He was being because sexist. It
1: taught the other policeman how to view her.
0: Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she meets her entomologist friends and they talk about the death head, uh, moth. One guy asks her out
1: mm-hmm. pretty um, immediately.
0: Yeah. And, and it's almost Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like he is the only one in the movie of the people that are like looking down on her or, or treating her um like a woman, I guess. Mm. Um for lack of a better phrase. Um he's the only one where it's almost like yeah, he just asks her.
1: I think part of it is the way he did it. It was very casual and like uh Like it didn't like, feel do sexist. Do, do you, that you ever get do you ever go out and get a couple of cheeseburgers? Yeah. Just just very casual, just like not not this big deal of let me show let me show you a good time just like a do you ever, do you ever eat cheeseburgers yeah to which she's flirting back because she is with with that look you know the way she's smiling and is like are you flirting with me
0: and then he says absolutely yeah um i felt like the movie doesn't treat him like a bad guy
1: no i don't think i don't feel that way either
0: um and 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 it's not like i mean i think later he says something as well but it, it's not like he's continuing to. Push weird. past you know her her rejection or anything like yeah that. yeah um I just thought that was interesting me too um and then we so
1: what they found out it's a death moth and that guy tells him that these had to have been imported because they're from Asia so someone doesn't just like find one on the ground somewhere right which means that someone bought them internationally and has been raising them and he says someone someone loved this yeah interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we go to Hannibal again mm-hmm. and Clarice offers him a deal mm-hmm. where she's going to let him go to this prison where he'll have a nice view and he'll be able to once a week go into the water and one the week beach. out of the year. Um, oh yeah, I think he can take a stroll like once a week okay. and then, and then like once a year he's able to go swimming uh-huh. or something like that. And it's this great deal. And she goes, you know, you're not going to get out, but you know. You can th- this'll be, this'll this will be this will be the good best you can do.
1: And she says that this deal is coming from the center because the woman that Buffalo Bill kidnapped is the center's daughter.
0: Yeah. And so um, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll help. I'll help. But it's going to be a, a quid pro quo, mm-hmm. which I did not. I've always not known what that meant. And it's Latin and it means favor for a favor. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when he's. I think this is actually when he's asking her questions about her personal life and they're trading information back and forth. And um, he's able to say that um, that moth is also in the severed head. And Oh, okay. Yeah, and that is that? No, she told him that. Oh, okay. Because she's
1: like, you want to tell me who that person is and why we found the moth in that person's head, too? That's right. And while they're having this conversation, Chilton is listening to them because he is like, he feels like this woman's getting the upper hand on him. Not just her, but like the FBI are just saying, screw you. This is our job. Yeah. You just have to listen. So he's listening to them secretly and there's some payoff with him later.
0: Yeah. And... Um so then then we find out you know that the killer somewhat really like around Hannibal mm-hmm. and and had a relationship. I think this is when we find out he, that the killer had a relationship with the man w- with the he- severed head.
1: Yeah because that man with the severed head was a past patient of Hannibal and that patient well patient but like person told him that um he was concerned for his lover. Because his lover right. has become had become violent and killed um, a transient. And I think skinned the transient.
0: Oh, yeah. So,
1: can you please talk to him?
0: Yeah. And so, um, but it's still like coded and he's still playing a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think um, that's when they start moving him or... Or
1: well, so soon after um, Chilton. Well, I think it might even be like soon after the next. The this next scene is a uh, Chilton is talking to Hannibal and is like, "That was a phony deal. They duped you."
0: Yes, I'm and gonna then, get you a real deal. And he transfers him. Mm-hmm. And when he transfers him, that's when Hannibal gets put into the iconic mask, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the great looking things on film. You know,
1: makes him look deranged.
0: Yeah, and um he's getting transferred he's getting put on a plane all of this craziness and then the senator's um wife the mother comes out and she, she is has a senator an ex- oh she is the senator
1: yeah she um, can be a senator too micah
0: <laughs> no i thought no i don't no. she <laughs> oh, is the man. senator great um so the senator comes out and she uh and, and Hannibal have a conversation mm-hmm. together and he has the upper hand and he's saying some mm-hmm. really rotten things. Mm-hmm. He's not but a good guy.
1: He does eventually tell basically when he's satisfied with making someone feel small, he tells her the man's name is Lewis friend. He yeah. is five eleven, a hundred and something pounds. He, I, you know, the last, he told me he lived in Philadelphia, but he could have given me a wrong address. So he gives a lot of information about yeah. a person.
0: And then for some reason, I think they're not transferring him at this scene and they put him in that art gallery.
1: There, is that an art gallery?
0: Well, it looks like one. Anyway, oh, okay. that's what it looks like to I my I love
1: eyes. the set design set of that cool. is just superb. It's yeah. so amazing. It, It's amazing. It's a
0: cell in the middle of a room. I, I
1: have a feeling and that they might just still be holding him before they transfer him to the prison that she promised. So it's like a holding cell.
0: Yeah. And then... Clear. oh no
1: this is the thing if if the if the daughter is not found alive the deal's off so i think they are just That's waiting right. to see if they find her
0: yes yes um and then so he's in that area that holding cell and jodie foster like sneaks in basically mm. and she starts speaking with him gives him his
1: drawings back
0: gives him his drawings back and she's kind of because he's mad about the fake deal and she's yes. trying to gain gain her um his trust back his trust back again and then he's saying, you know, what does this guy want? What does this guy need? And she's saying, well, he wants skin. He wants women and stuff. And he goes, no, that's just a byproduct. What does he want? What does he need? And um, then he says he covets. Mm. And what do you covet most? Or uh, how does coveting start? Is that what he says? Yeah, it's
1: something that you're surrounded by every day.
0: Yeah, And it's like you, you, you covet what's around you or yes. something like that. And that's just sitting there. And and as a viewer, unless you're crazy smart, you're like, okay, what? What does that mean, though? Yeah. Um, and you're
1: right there with Clarice because she has no idea either. And he yeah. does tell her, you have all that you need in the papers. That yeah. your person is waiting for you in those papers.
0: And also, I don't remember what the anagram was, but um, Lewis' friend was also uh, yeah,
1: I can't remember, but an it, anagram. Yeah.
0: And, and she said, your anagrams are showing when, when she yeah. came in. So they're having this exchange. And then this is when she talks about
1: the silence of the lambs.
0: Silence of the lambs. So, um, take over.
1: So he goes back to asking her about why she ran away after living only two months in Montana, and she yeah. talks about a night where she woke up and she just was she was hearing screaming. And she was led out to the barn, and there were a bunch of lambs in the barn just screaming.
0: They sounded like hu- like They sounded humans.
1: like a person screaming. Yeah. And she knew that they were to be slaughtered. And in her fear, she's only a child, uh, opens the gate, but they don't leave. They're just still there screaming. So she grabs one and runs away. Um, but she could only run so far with it because she's just a kid and it's a lamb.
0: And um, tears are starting to form on Jody's face.
1: And... Hannibals.
0: That um, was the So this is the moment where if you're an academy This is the
1: Oscar winning scene.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, this is like, okay, they're probably getting the Oscar. And then after this scene, you're like, they're for sure getting the Oscar. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Because he's he's tearing up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I just the I way I just don't know how he does it. No,
1: and the the way his his character talks is just it's so fast, and it's just this like the his the accent that he chooses is so like refined and like prudy. Uh huh. Oh, it's just so perfect it's perfect but so she runs away with the lamb but she doesn't make it very far because it's so cold and the lamb is so heavy so they find her and uh they send her to an orphanage and he asks her what happened to the lamb and she says it got slaughtered and he says uh he kind of finishes the rest for her and is like so your your goal in life was to um you know Become become an FBI agent, like get into the FBI, because hopefully you can be someone that helps the la- little lambs that need help. Yeah. And so like Catherine's a little lamb for you, isn't she? And she just is like, I don't know.
0: And then you won't hear their screams. Um, hence, the silence, silence of, of the, the lambs. lambs. Uh, cool title. Yes. Just gonna say that. Good job, Thomas Harris, on mm-hmm. that title. Um. So there's the lamb story, and then then we have. What was referred to by Jonathan Demme as the movie within the movie, because now we have like a three act action sequence. This movie
1: is less than two hours, and it feels longer than that, and not in a bad way.
0: No, it's so lean. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so th- I was gonna try and make a joke about cutting people up, and I thought, nah, let's not. <laughs> um. But this is the iconic um scene where Hannibal escapes. So he's getting handcuffed and getting his food he drew a picture of clarice with a lamb mm-hmm. and then he picks a lock because he got a pen way earlier in the movie from Milton. yeah and uh i like how he gets it from him of course specifically, yeah specifically because that guy just, poetic justice yes and he just thinks he knows everything yeah and hannibal still out thinks him yeah and he gets out of the cuffs bites one of the cops and then he Beats the other one in this very Kind of like a maestro Yeah like And he's just beating this guy to death And the police don't find out For a while because he has enough time To disembowel And like rip open this guy
1: And kind of like crucify him
0: Yeah set him up uh, in this crazy Thing with like a backlit light Mm -hmm. Um And the cops finally see that this elevator Is going up and down
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh man, this whole sequence is just so scary.
0: It's, it, it's, really, it's really wild because you know so, sometimes when someone goes into a genre having not much experience with the genre, a director, mm. um, it's a disaster because they don't get the genre. Mm. And then sometimes you get a movie like this where it's so different from any other types of this genre that it totally reinvigorates and changes the genre forever.
1: I mean, it, it, the closest thing it reminds me to is like Get Out. Because we have yeah. Jordan Peele, who is a comedian and known for doing sketches, is now one of the most popular horror yeah. directors. So popular that he's like the new Rod Sterling.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, the new Hitchcock in a lot of ways yeah. too. Yeah, um, and so so it's just really insane that it, you know this is a, a big action s- set piece. Mm-hmm. And you know, I haven't seen his other movies. Maybe they do have some action in them. Yeah, but um. I mean, he handles it deftly. I mean, it's crazy how, how good the the action is. And, you know, they come in, they see this horrific image. And, and there's a
1: police officer down, but he's still alive. And his
0: face is all cut up and crazy. Uh-huh. And so they're rushing him out. And then while they're doing that, they're going down the elevator and there's blood dripping onto the police officer who's down. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, like, Hannibal's on the roof of the elevator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they go through... Um, some other cops like are up a couple of floors and mm-hmm. they, they shoot the body cause it's not moving. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you, you better move, like you better put your hands up or we're going to shoot. They shoot him in the leg and he doesn't move at all. Mm-hmm. Then they pull down the elevator and he flops out and it's, well, we don't actually see any. We
1: see the back of his head.
0: Just the back. And we're but like, it, okay. Quick I cuts guess, to
1: the ambulance.
0: And then the police officer who's down sits up and pulls off his face and it's Hannibal.
1: Mm-hmm. He skinned the guy's face off.
0: Yes, I wonder if there's like a MythBusters on how possible that oh, is. Oh, I wonder.
1: That'd be, well, there is a there is a Dwight doing it. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: which if you haven't seen that episode of The Office, it's the, it's
1: one of the funniest ones.
0: It's in season six,
1: Stress Relief Part One.
0: One. No, it's two because it's it after. Two? No, it's one. It's no. one. Okay, it's one of the funnier Watch episodes both. of the Watch show. Watch Part One and Two, and uh, Dwight cuts off uh, the face of a cpr a, dummy and he does he goes <laughs> and turns around and everyone everyone freaks out and, and they're like
1: why'd you have to cut the face off
0: and he's like i just wanted to know see if it was realistic and he's like turns out it's pretty realistic no, he says,
1: it didn't really look realistic in the movie turns out it is <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so um and and i think this goes back to i was th- like this goes back to Anthony Hopkins. You know how he was saying, like, this is cartoonish. Yeah. So he's sitting there reading the script, and he's not thinking, I really need to get in the mind of someone. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking this to some extent, but someone who, who would rip off someone's face and put it on my face. He's like, oh, that's kind of wild. Yeah. I, I better be kind of insane in this movie so that this scene doesn't feel out of left field. I'm an actor. That's what I do. I act. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I just love that so much. Oh
1: my gosh, it's crazy.
0: It's very refreshing.
1: Oh yeah, it definitely is. So um, we are, I feel like, missing a lot of Buffalo Bill stuff, but I think that's okay. Um, But the movie periodically
0: cuts back... It's because I'm scared of him. (laughs) Yeah,
1: cuts to Catherine in the hole screaming for help yeah there's really loud music you kind of find out that maybe they're in a basement i don't know he is naked a lot of the time yeah um you see him sewing skin at some point you see him um putting makeup on and then you see him also like making her put on lotion to, to keep her skin it moisturized the lotion
0: in the basket Ugh, that his scene. whole
1: performance makes me like it really makes th- my stomach hurt i think this movie compared to the last one, this one got to me a lot more. And I think that they just, we spent more time with the murderer. And I think that it, it's almost weird to compare, but like the nature of this person and how sick this person is, was much more explored than the other character.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, And it just really got to me. Ugh, it's so scary. But yeah,
0: on on this viewing, um, Manhunter freaked me out more. Yeah. But Silence of the Lambs, the first time I saw it, freaked me out a lot yeah because the first time I saw it and part of it was the context which we talked about right um the first time I saw it it was one of those movies that made my stomach turn and it made me feel like um I if I felt like I got caught like lying from my parents or yeah. something like I shouldn't have watched it
1: yeah because you're seeing something that I as, as you know it feels wrong like what's yeah. hap- like how the things are happening and what's happening
0: and this time it, it didn't hit me quite in that way. That's okay. Yeah. Um. But Manhunter did. And I have a feeling if I go and rewatch Manhunter, more like when I go and rewatch that masterpiece, I'll be like, yeah, this is uh not as scary as the first time. Because I know what's going to happen. Right. And I'm not right. as like, how much are they going to show? What's going to? Totally.
1: Um. And then also uh, the girl, uh, Catherine, uh, lures the dog down into the well. Yeah. Into the hole. So she now has leverage over Buffalo Bill.
0: Yeah. And then Claire is uh, Clarice is hanging out with her friend, and they're talking about the coveting. They're
1: going over the the notes, the they're case going, notes. You
0: covet what's close to you, and then they go. Well, what was
1: the? Th- okay, go ahead. Never mind. He
0: knew the first victim, mm-hmm. and that's the key moment. Mm-hmm. So now Clarice is going to revisit.
1: She goes to Belvedere, Ohio, I think.
0: Yeah, and she goes. I think it's this this guy. Um, I'm pretty sure I got it figured out. And she's calling Jack Crawford, and mm-hmm. he's going. We got his name. We got his address. We're headed there right now.
1: And they're going to, like, Chicago?
0: Uh, I, I, St. Louis, I think. But no, that was the previous movie. That was the movie. last
1: movie. I'm pretty sure they're going to, like, Chicago or Philadelphia.
0: Okay. Um. And what's funny, not funny, but when the first time they cut this movie together, it was the police show up, and then it was Clarice shows up. It was not intercut like it is in this movie, hmm. where, where it looks like...
1: Mm-hmm. We you don't like that's a twist.
0: Yeah, and and Jonathan Demi saw the the first cut and he was like, "Oh, those scenes should be intercut." And the editor in the interview I saw the editor said I stupidly put the, I didn't originally put the scenes intercut like that. He said stupidly, like he like, was like a big Like I'm idiot. the editor,
1: <laughs> I should be the one that should know that. That's so funny.
0: Um but yeah, so there's this great scene um where and I wonder what an audience back then would have thought. Cause I feel like a lot of people have done this in other movies, Yeah, but you're seeing the police come up and stuff. And Clarice is interviewing and she's figuring it out. She's going to the victim's house, you know, all this stuff, um, which we don't have to cover. I think all it's that.
1: interesting that she's, she's upstairs in the girl's room and she's looking out the window and she's window and she's pretty much seeing what this girl sees. Yeah. And then she goes to another room and it looks out that window and pretty much sees what's seen out of that window. I, it just reminds me of the last movie. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to see how the killer saw it and she's trying to see how the victim saw it. Yeah. If the victim has
0: a connection with
1: exactly, exactly.
0: And so anyway, um, she's doing that and she's kind of figuring out and she's going to go to this house, Mm -hmm. um, as like her last lead so far. Um, and as she's going, that's intercutting Mm. all this stuff and then the police come in and there's no one there no one there It's totally abandoned and then she knocks on the door and our killer shows up Mm -hmm. and we've seen this crazy killer and we as the audience are just going we're
1: screaming no we're screaming no
0: no and we know she hasn't called for backup nothing like this
1: because she doesn't know who this person is she she actually goes there thinking that that old an old woman lives there Yeah. So he lets her in because he's trying to find a card for a person that she should call about this, about like her son or something. And it's just, he says things that now as someone who's seen a lot of movies like this, he's Mm -hmm. asking questions that's like, oh, huge red flag. He's like, so you guys even close yet? Yeah. What about you guys got like fingerprints, name, like anything? And, you yeah. know, she's just like, no, she's feeling a lot edgier. The house is in shambles. So I think that would kind of set someone off immediately. Um, but it's just his his acting is so good when he finds the card and he holds it out to her. They are several feet apart. Yeah. She would have to walk to him to get it, which is him luring her like bait. Come get the card for me. And she asks him, Do you think I could use your phone? She's getting more suspicious. And his reaction is just priceless because he just starts laughing almost like i got you now
0: yeah and then um and then he takes off and he's got a gun and she fires at him i believe she doesn't yet she doesn't okay and then she goes in she goes down the stairs
1: yep into this maze
0: yeah and the the setup of this they, they do a good job of it's a very confusing setup, but it also, I feel like geographically does make sense. Yeah,
1: and I think this, I'm sure this is part of actual training, which I would never think to do, where she's closing doors behind her. Yeah. That is so smart.
0: Yeah, it, It. what's cool, and, and Jodie Foster did d- do some training with yeah. the FBI and stuff, and they actually filmed at Quantico, by the way. Oh, which wow. Which is very interesting. And yeah. the, um, Christy Zhao, the production designer, uh-huh. said... Yeah, I mean we can't film here it's so boring and ugly and then he's like no no I want it to look like this and then it'll get crazier <laughs> yeah yeah go. yeah that's funny but um so she's going around she's trying to find this guy and she's very worried and she's hearing the woman in the well screaming
1: uh-huh.
0: and um then then oh man and
1: her acting she, she's is so the skin good suit? oh yeah nasty yeah
0: once again great job special effects guys though yeah but
1: <laughs> Catherine yelling in the well like like screaming for her to get her out and like Clarice can't do anything. Yeah. And she's telling her basically like saying like, police will be here any minute. And she's just saying, F you get me out of here. Like complete desperate desperation.
0: And then the lights go out. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the movie, we had seen Buffalo Bill playing with night vision goggles. He puts them on. And for the rare point in the movie, we are not in Clarice's head. We're in his head Mm -hmm. and he's toying with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, She's doing some great, great acting just in her like feeling around and stuff. I mm-hmm. love all that. And then um I, I guess a lot of people ask her like how she was able to do that in the dark and how they film that. And she's like, we filmed it in the light. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then we just put a green filter over yep. it. That's like, what are you talking about?
1: Sorry, movie magic sometimes <laughs> isn't so magical.
0: <laughs> and so doing that. And then the guy, I think he reaches out to touch her or something. Well, no, he, he pulls he does out that, his gun. Yeah, he does
1: that several times. And he
0: pulls back the hammer. Mm-hmm. She hears it, and she fires, fires, fires. And then everyone on set is going, well, how is she going to see him? And then someone said, well, back in World War II, they used to black out windows. What if we did that, and she she accidentally sh- shot a window? And then, like, 20 minutes later, they're like, okay, let's shoot that window out, and that'll make sense. They didn't have that in the script that the light hmm. pours in. Um, but the light pours in. I love that shot and the way... Um, Buffalo Bill's hands are, like, Mm -hmm. crinkled up as he's taking his final breath. And Mm -hmm. she's reloading her gun as quickly as she can. Crazy. Yeah. And she's now silenced the lambs, one would hope.
1: Yeah. This one, at least.
0: Yeah. And then they're at this FBI thing. She graduates. Graduates. That's the thing. And she gets a phone call. Who's on the other end of the phone? It's Dr. Hannibal Lecter. And he says... Um, he says, don't even bother tracing the call, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, where are you? And he goes, just don't worry about he it. He says,
1: "The world, don't worry, I'm not going to come after you. The world's too interesting with you in it. Like, yeah. like the Like, it would be less interesting if you were gone.
0: And he says, I'm having an old friend for dinner. And then we, uh, the movie starts rolling credits. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, this is a perfect um, ending to a movie that... Like, I'm excited that there's another movie, but also there doesn't ever have to be another one. I agree. It, it's like that perfect edge of, this totally sets up a sequel, but it's also fine if it if there isn't one. I agree. So, great movie. Yeah. Really good rewatch. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, what do we think? Closing thoughts. Love it. That's it, huh?
1: I mean, it's just... It's just, I I think uh, the investigation was a little bit easier to understand in this movie than the last one. Yeah. But we did say in the last one that, that I don't think that was a, like a disadvantage of the movie.
0: Well, it feels like Manhunter is more of the Zodiac approach where you're yes. just trying to keep up with the clues and the facts the whole movie. Because there's so much. And this, and this is
1: much more profiling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more clear cut, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh dang it. Great movie. Yeah. I'm glad it won Best Picture. Um, I was trying to think and I was going, this is the last Best Picture movie we'll ever cover. And then I thought, oh, wait a second. There's at least two movies, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, that we hope to cover at some point. They both
1: won Best Picture.
0: And uh, yeah, they both won. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, there's still potential that we can cover a Best Picture winner. And mm-hmm. there might be a couple other series, but I don't. I mean, we covered Lord of the Rings. I don't Rings. think so. That's what I mean. We covered Lord of the Rings in oh, okay. this, and I, I don't think any others have sequels, or at least three sequel two sequels. Um, anyway, I think that's it. And folks, trust me on this. Trust me. You might think, well, we I listened to Silence of the Lambs. That's the best of the Hannibal movies. I'm out. I'll wait till their next series. Folks, you have got to listen to the next episode. We have an interview with someone who was involved in the production of the movie Hannibal that we're covering next week. An actual person that worked on the movie. So that is like a dream come true Mm -hmm. for us. And one, one hope that we had on doing this podcast that we'd be able to talk to someone who worked on the movie we're covering. Mm -hmm. So that's next week. We're real excited about that. I won't tell you any more. Um, it's not an actor, though, so don't think we got, like, Anthony Hopkins or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, yeah, so we tune in Julie next Ann week. Moore. Uh, yeah, it's Julianne Moore. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, this month in, on Patreon, it's still Gremlins 2, the new batch. And the next month is Zoolander, so get prepared for...
1: Walking down the runway.
0: You know, when you go to www.patreon.com slash M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W, link in the description of this episode... You're going to get a whole you're going to get the light side of the MPU <laughs> with Gremlins 2 and Zoolander. So, thank you for listening everybody. We will catch you next week when we cover Ridley Scott's Hannibal. Who's that peeking behind the bars? That's Hannibal. Who's that played by four different stars? That's Hannibal. And whose face is detachable? That's Hannibal. And who's everybody's favorite cannibal? That's Hannibal.